Hello ladies and lads and welcome to Hollow Leg History. I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know I sure did. We are off to starting our bit of a reworked Hollow Leg History and today's a very good day to start out because there's only one notable event. So I hope you all are excited as I am. Let's begin. In 1804 Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte declared himself Emperor of France. In Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, Napoleon is the first Frenchman to hold the title of Emperor in a thousand years. Pope Pius VII handed Napoleon the crown that the 35-year-old conqueror of Europe placed on his own head, crowning himself Emperor rather than letting the Pope do it as tradition. The Corsican-born Napoleon was one of the greatest military strategists in history. He rapidly rose through the ranks of the French Revolutionary Army during the late 1790s. By 1799, France was at war with most of Europe, and Napoleon returned home from his Egyptian campaign to take the reins of the French government and save his nation from collapse. After becoming the first consul in February of 1800, he reorganized his armies and defeated Austria. In 1802, he established the Napoleonic Code, a new system of French law, which many of the statutes are still in use today, and in 1804 he established the French Empire. By 1807, Napoleon's empire stretched from the River Elbe in the north, down through Italy in the south, and from the Pyrenees to the Dalmatian coast. Beginning in 1812, Napoleon began to encounter the first significant defeats of his military career, suffering a, a disastrous invasion of Russia, losing Spain to the Duke of Wellington in the Peninsula War, and enduring total defeat against an Allied force by 1814. He was exiled to the island of Elba and escaped to France in early 1915 to raise a new grand army that enjoyed temporary success before being crushed at the Battle of Waterloo against an allied force again under Wellington in 1815. Napoleon was subsequently exiled to the island of St. Helena off the coast of Africa where he lived under house arrest with a few followers. In May of 1821, he died, most likely of stomach cancer, though there is speculation that he was poisoned by arsenic by the British. He was only 51 years old. In 1840, his body was exhumed and returned to Paris, and a magnificent funeral was held for him. Napoleon's body was conveyed through the Arc de Triomphe and entombed under the Dome of Invalides probably butchered that, but I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm not French. Now that kind of completes the overview of Emperor Napoleon's life. I want to talk about the French civil code that he implemented that, as I mentioned a few moments ago, is still in use today in today's French Republic. The French civil code was enacted on March 21st, 1804, and the code represents a comprehensive reformation and codification of the French civil law and was considered by Napoleon himself to be one of his most significant achievements. Nowadays, it remains a strong legal, sociological, and cultural landmark for the French nation. And in spite of some revisions that were introduced later, the Napoleonic Code is still very applicable in the French Republican law today. 
Now the reason Napoleon wanted to create the civil code and the main motivations behind the codification was because French laws were an absolute mess before Napoleon reorganized everything. Roman law governed in south of France, whereas in the northern provinces, a customary law had developed and dominated, based largely on feudal Frankish and German institutions. Marriage and family were entirely under the control of the Roman Catholic Church and its canon law. In addition, a wide range of matters were governed by royal decrees and ordinances, as well as by case law. The French people of the Revolution were not so tolerant of this coexisting diversity. Instead, it promoted the great principle of equality between all citizens, according to which all laws should apply similarly to everyone across French territory. The Napoleonic Code that was developed, therefore, was founded on the premise that, for the first time in history, a purely rational law should be created which justification was to be found in its conformity the dictates of reason. The creation process of the civil code was inspired by Justinian's 6th century codification of Roman law, the Corpus Iuris Civilis. The Napoleonic Code differed from Justinian's in important ways, however. It incorporated all kinds of earlier rules, not only legislation. It was a comprehensive rewrite with a more rational structure and no religious content development of the Napoleonic Code was a fundamental change in the nature of the civil law system, making laws both clearer and more accessible. It also superseded the former conflict between the royal legislative power and the views of the judges, thus having no case law in France. The principles incorporated into the Napoleonic Code were written in three main books containing more than 25 titles and over a hundred chapters. Under the code, all male citizens are equal, all class privileges are extinguished, freedom of person, freedom of contract, and inviolability of private property are fundamental principles. The preliminary article of the code established certain important provisions regarding the rule of law. That is, laws could be applied only if they had been duly promulgated, it's kind of a funny word, and then only if they had been published officially. Thus, no secret laws were and could be authorized any longer. The code also prohibited ex post facto laws, which are laws that apply to events that occurred before their own introduction. Furthermore, on one hand, judges were prohibited from refusing justice on the grounds of insufficiency of the law, thereby encouraging them to interpret the law. On the other hand, the Napoleonic Code also prohibited judges from passing general judgments of a legislative value. The Napoleonic Civil Code played a significant role mainly in the formation of 19th century civil codes in most countries of continental Europe and Latin America. Today, many European legal systems are established upon its basis and strong influence. The Civil Code has turned into a truly modern instrument successfully applied for over 200 years despite the vast social transformations in French society. Its long-lasting effect is closely connected to the very history of its creation. Now, the next thing that I want to touch on is whether Napoleon was a force of good or evil. There's a lot of debate about whether he was a good leader or whether he was an evil leader. 
and I want to go in and kind of dissect that and showcase that in a lot of cases with historical figures the answer lies somewhere in the middle. In Britain, Napoleon is seen as a villain mainly remembered for overthrowing the government and for the nearly endless wars that his government caused. The British establishment liked neither the French Revolution nor Napoleon. Despite Britain not having an absolute monarchy, there was much concern in the upper classes about events that transpired in France, particularly once the terror began. The terror being a period of violence that occurred after the start of the French Revolution, marked by mass executions of, quote, enemies of the revolution. Too much had changed in the last century in British society and in the economy. There had been too much movement of people both socially, with power transferring from those with land to those with money, often made through agrarian and industrial revolutions, and geographically, as those working on the land moved to the cities, a hotbed of dissent. Fundamental aspects of belief were changing and being questioned, and Britain had just lost America to revolution, making her feel more insecure. The British establishment worried that it would be next, so it was in their interest not to fight just the French, but to win the hearts and minds of those at home. A little bit of information about Napoleon's early life is that he was born to a minor Corsican noble family in 1769. He was enrolled in school in France, where he was considered inferior by his peers, who teased him for his ascent, but he still was able to gain admittance to the prestigious and expensive École Militaire in Paris at 15, a very fine military school, shortly before the loss of his father to stomach cancer. With the family's only source of income gone, Napoleon was forced to complete the two-year course in just one. He then, became, he then came to the attention of Paris as an artillery lieutenant by capturing the naval fort of Toulon in 1793 after a royalist uprising supported by the British Navy. After that, he was earmarked for promotion, and in 1797, he successfully drove out the Austrians out of Italy, despite them having a larger military force. Only two years later, Napoleon led a coup against the Directory, the ruling committee of five established in 1795, shortly after the fall of the Royalists. The Directory had overseen a number of French defeats, and Napoleon, naming himself First Consul, effectively established a military dictatorship. He reorganized the army and went on to win a series of victories in what became known as the Napoleonic Wars. The Second Coalition of Countries Against France collapsed, leaving Britain to fight alone, and eventually signed the Treaty of Amiens in 1802. The treaty lasted only a year amid further moves by Napoleon to expand France's territories. By 1808, Emperor Napoleon had conquered much of Europe, but started to make serious military mistakes. In 1808, he placed his elder brother Joseph on the Spanish throne, starting the expensive Peninsular War, and in 1812, he invaded and was defeated by Russia. By March of 1814, the allies of the Sixth Coalition had reached Paris. The leaders of Paris surrendered. Napoleon was forced to abdicate on the 1st of April of 1814 and was retired to Elba. 
However, in February of 1815, he escaped and then marched on Paris, where many who were sent against him to stop him ended up supporting him. The French general, Marshal Ney, sent to capture Napoleon, switched side, as did a number of prisoners of war and other seasoned soldiers. However, at the Battle of Waterloo, Napoleon was defeated and fled the battlefield. He made his way to Rochefort, probably hoping to find safe passage to America, which had supported the French during the wars. However, all ports were blockaded by the British, and he was left little choice but to turn himself over to one Captain Frederick Maitland, commander of the HMS Belorfion. Now, Napoleon's character is difficult to pin down. He was full of contradictions and seemed to change according to the person, circumstance, or mood. Some historians, such as Jeffrey Ellis and R.S. Alexander, have seen this as the basis for his popularity, allowing others to see him in what they wanted. His goal was not to please humanity, but to find something to make his critics respond to him as either a lawmaker, warrior, or savior. This ability to adapt could be why there is still so little agreement over him today. Whatever else, though, he was considered intelligent, proven by his ability to dictate four different letters to four different secretaries on four different subjects at a time. He was an exceptional multitasker and could probably text amongst the best of us today. Now, there is no doubt that Napoleon had a dark side. He often lived in luxury and promoted friends and relatives to positions of power, which is nepotism. Napoleon also didn't just fight against monarchies. He inflicted regime change on several ancient Republican city-states, such as Venice and Dubrovnik. His wars killed over a million people from his own country, and perhaps double that from other European nations. He could absolutely be brutal, abandoning entire armies like in Egypt when strategy was required. The Battle of the Nile in August of 1798, Admiral Horatio Nelson defeated Napoleon's fleet in a surprise attack, forcing Napoleon to flee, leaving his landlocked army trapped. He was also not always successful in war. He was totally defeated and forced to abdicate twice, and ironically, his war against the Holy Roman Empire, which resulted in a united Germany, eventually led to the invasions of France in 1870, 1914, and 1940 by the Germans against the French people. He also gave Britain what Britain wanted, the moral upper hand. The coup d'etat and subsequent proclaiming himself emperor provided the moral justification to continue fighting, as the British were no longer standing against an emerging democracy, but against a tyrant. He had turned from liberator to oppressor. However, on the continent, and particularly in France, memories are much more forgiving. Some of this is reaction against the political order that emerged after his exile, where his faults were forgotten but his great acts remembered, but it was also the result of his own propaganda machine. Even after his defeat at Waterloo, he was still concerned with image, which led him to dictate memoirs which, to a large extent, affected how he was viewed by history. Through exaggeration, self-promotion, and censorship, he built a cult of personality around himself. His reputation as a military genius was at least in part deserved. 
Some could argue that he didn't change tactics at all between 1800 and 1815, suggesting that he didn't have the flexibility to be a competent general. Others have pointed to his reorganization of the army, which changed the scale of warfare across Europe. He is quick to publicize his military successes, no matter how small. A skirmish over a bridge at Lodi in modern Italy was turned within three days into a major triumph over a great Austrian army. There is also no denying that he was a successful military leader, as out of his 50 battles, he only lost four of them. It's just the ones that mattered most is the ones that he lost. But he is remembered for more than military success, and by his contemporaries he was seen as a politician first. He portrayed himself as a strong man who could bring peace and security to his country following the terrible years of the revolution. He promised a return to order and a reduction in crime, which he did by reshaping the two police forces he inherited, turning them into models for much of Europe during the 19th century. Robert Peel used the gendarmes, which was the French police, as the basis for his Royal Irish Constabulary. Man, words are hard sometimes. And rather than simply invading and destroying, he was actually a progressive modernizer and boasted about preserving the achievements of the revolution. As mentioned before, he introduced the Code Napoleon, which was spread across all of his conquered territories, allowed him to be remembered as having liberated Europe from the tyrannies of the church and religious oppression. Whatever the case, Napoleon had a vision for Europe, and he succeeded in making that vision a reality, at least for a while. Whether he was a savior of the people, or a war-mad megalomaniac, might simply be down to the loudest propaganda. Whatever else, he was an enigma, and someone who will continue to fascinate, inspire, and disgust down the generations. That'll go ahead and wrap up our daily history for December the 2nd. I hope you all enjoyed the new style. Hope you enjoyed learning about Napoleon. If you enjoyed listening, I encourage you to give a follow and share us with your friends. That'll help us grow the podcast. Uh, This is the Hollow Leg signing off.